Hello, listeners. Jess here. Have you heard our newest show, Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches? Winnie Taylor is just a teenager when her mother dies, sending her to Cleveland to reunite with her dad, a former football player. It's an inspirational story about sports, family, and learning to overcome the barriers that hold us back. Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches has something for everyone. Action-packed football games, a story about friendship, and a father-daughter story that will warm everyone's heart. I know you're going to love it. Follow Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free with a GZM family subscription. Head to gzmshows.com for more. Two people claim to know everything about something, but only one knows anything. President Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt. Dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars. Or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian. An astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth. Can you spot the lie? The Big Fifth. Some pigs can fly. The Big Fifth. But if you ask me why, can you trust the answer? New Jersey. This is the Big Fib. And now here's your host, Deborah Goldstein. Welcome to the Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the shining celestial syzygy of truth and the waning penumbral crater of lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live in Studio Audience. And you're raising your hand, Lisa. Would you like me to call on you? Okay, you're nodding your head. Yes. So, okay, you there in the in the front row. You you in the metal suit. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, Lisa, sound effects robot, longtime listener, first time caller. Uh huh. Yes, I don't have a question so much as a comment, or rather, a comment about a question. Though the question is not my question. The comment, however, is in fact mine. But the question is not mine, though it is a question that is for me as opposed to for you. Okay, I think I follow. What I'm hearing you say is that you've got a listener question you'd like to play for us. Is that correct? Uh, Spot on. And here it is. Hi, Lisa. My name is Kayla, and I wanted to know if you could turn into any animal, what animal would you choose and why? Ooh, I really like this question. So many amazing animals that can swim or fly or climb trees or do all sorts of cool things. What's your favorite, Lisa? Yeah, it's a tough one, but I would have to pick the most amazing animal of all, the monkey wrench. I've got a pet monkey wrench named Albert, and he is just the cutest. A pet monkey wrench? That's actually not an animal at all. A monkey wrench is a tool named after the inventor of the monkey wrench, Charles Monkey, a Baltimore mechanic. Not an animal? No, you use a monkey wrench to turn nuts and bolts. Oh, I was wondering why he was always trying to twist my toes with his mouth. Yeah, so do you have a favorite animal then? You know, I'm just not sure anything can take the place of Albert the monkey wrench. But I guess a close second would be uh, the mouse? Oh, sure. A mouse. Very cute animal. Small, furry, with those long whiskers and squeaky little voice. Whiskers? I don't know what pet store you got your mouse at, but I think they sold you a dud. My mouse, Kevin, doesn't have fur or whiskers or a squeaky voice, but he's super smart. He always knows exactly where I left off when I'm typing up my notes from my memoir. 
bestseller. And sometimes <laughs> he finds just the right spot on the page that I'm looking at. It's like he can read my mind. Are you talking about a computer mouse? Also not an animal. What now? A computer mouse is an inanimate object, a computer input device that moves a cursor around the screen. So uh, we're talking about another object that has the same name as an animal? Yes. You would think humans would have a little more creativity and give everything a unique name. That would spare us all a lot of confusion. I agree. And we can talk about animals that are not objects another time, perhaps, when you've sorted out what is animal and what is not. So for now, why don't we talk about something that's not so confusing, like how our game works? Good idea. Actually, hold on. Albert! Albert! Stop! Stop chewing on my toes! No, no. Bad! Bad boy, bad boy. <laughs> Go to your bed. Go to your... No, don't look at me like that. No. Yeah. Good. Okay, good boy. Lie down. Sorry. Remind me to feed Albert after the show. Will do. So every week we bring on two grown-ups. One is an expert. The other is a liar. And it's the job of a human child to help us figure out who is who because no one can spot a liar better than a kid. What are we lying about today, Deborah? We are lying about the moon, the large round object that orbits around the Earth. And we're going to learn all about the moon along with our contestant today. Who might that be, Lisa? Our human child contestant is a 10-year-old who likes to make music and art on the computer. Ooh, I love computers. Nathan (laughs) Brown. Hi, Nathan. How are you? Good. How are you? Very well. Thank you for asking. Tell us about what you like to make on the computer. I like to make digital art and music. Usually when I'm doing art, I have a stylus and this little cool tablet that I use because when you do digital art, it's easier because instead of having all these other colored pencils and you have to color it with like markers or whatever, with digital art, you have access to all those colors in just a click. I like that. Yeah, computers are better. (laughs) Okay, fair. What kind of things do you make with your computer tablet? I like drawing anime. Do you have a favorite character or do you make them up? I kind of make them up, but I'd say that my favorite one is Deku from My Hero Academia. Ooh, that sounds cool. Okay, we do want to learn some more about you, Nathan, but we are going to do it playing our game, Two Truths and a Lie. You, Nathan, are going to share with us two truths and a lie, but we will not know which is which, and we will have to use our critical thinking and maybe a little guesswork to sort fact from fiction. So Nathan, in no particular order, tell us your two truths and a lie. I have been to Canada. I grew up in Canada and moved to the United States. And I like drawing and making art. All right. So he could be trying to trick us with the two Canadian statements. What do you think, Lisa? Let's see. One of them was that he grew up in Canada and moved to the United States. Mm -hmm. So if he grew up in Canada, then he has been to Canada. And therefore, Mm. those two would necessarily have to be true. Mm. But he could have been to Canada without growing up in Canada. Mm -hmm. I am going to say he did not grow up in Canada and moved to the United States. He grew up in Canada and moved to space, which is why he's on today's episode. Lisa's actually correct. Yes! I can't be stopped. All right, so explain that to us. So first of all, you have been to Canada, but you did not grow up there and move to the United States? That is correct. He lives in space. Do you live in space, Nathan? Uh, sure. (laughs) Told you. Well, then he's going to learn all about the moon, that's for sure. Well, let's welcome our moon experts, Lisa. Can we get some music for our moon experts? Float on in. 
float on in But don't bring a comet with you Cause they hurt real bad <laughs> Why did you kill the dinosaurs? <laughs> That was kind of a bummer, my friend <laughs> Okay, our first expert is Shannon Sterone. Shannon, please introduce yourself to Nathan. Hi, Nathan. My name is Shannon. I am a science journalist, and I write all about space. Thank you very much, Shannon. Let's meet our second expert, Grant Folger. Hi, my name is Grant Folger, and I am an impulsologist from the University of Michigan. I study craters. Thank you very much. That sound file is out of this world, Lisa. Those sounds are the super celestial sounds of Yes, it's hot seat time. That's when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer Nathan's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? Grant Folger, because his initials are GF, which means he probably invented GIFs, and I love GIFs, <laughs> because humans are so confused on how to pronounce GIFs. Some people say GIFs, and some people say GIFs, but it's really pronounced... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Okay, Nathan, what is your first question for Grant? Is the moon just a big rock? Honestly, kind of. The moon was actually formed from debris from a collision between Earth in its early stages and a large Mars-sized planetesimal, which is basically like a smaller version of a planet, about 4.5 billion years ago. Whoa. The debris floated off into space, but because of Earth's gravitational pull, it remained in orbit and eventually impacted together over hundreds of thousands of years to create what we now call the moon. I like to think of like a cotton candy machine almost. You like swirl it around and it slowly but surely gathers more and more. That on like a celestial level, basically. So yeah, most everything you'd find on the moon are things you'd find in rocks on Earth because it was created from those same materials. The one thing I would push back on there, though, is that I wouldn't call it just a big rock. <laughs> Some ways, sure, but it has such a huge impact on life on Earth, not only in our day-to-day -day existence, but in the literal ability for life on Earth to ever have existed in the first place. All right, this is for both of you guys. What parts of the moon do you study? I study all parts of the moon. So part of my job is getting to write about space and writing about the interior of the moon and the surface of the moon, the craters, and the history of what happened there. Like the moon civil war. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, as I was saying, I'm an impulsologist, so I study the craters specifically. There are various different points of interest when it comes to those craters on the crust of the moon. The ones that come to mind are like the Linnae crater, arguably the youngest moon crater at about 10 million years old. There's also the Aitken Basin, which is the oldest and the largest one at about 1.55 thousand miles. And because it is so large, gravity at the center of that basin is actually a little bit heavier than gravity on the rest of the moon. There's also my personal favorite crater to explore, which is the Krasnov Basin, which has the distinction of actually being the smallest crater on the moon. It's just under 45 miles in diameter. This is a huge episode for all our crater fans. Absolutely, yeah. There's no crater episode. 
This question is for Shannon. If the moon suddenly went away, what would happen on Earth? So what would happen is if it suddenly went away, it would affect all of our tides. So every time the moon orbits around the Earth, our gravity sort of tugs on it a little bit, and then the moon tugs on the Earth a little bit, and that's what creates all of the tides on our planet. So if the moon just vanished, we would suddenly not have tides. It would affect all of life on Earth, all of life in the ocean. It would be really bad. So we want the moon to stay nearby. Luckily, it's not going to vanish anytime soon. Good. The thing I would just jump in there with is that it actually really informs the migration patterns of different sea creatures like fish. They have that informed by the moon's tidal force on us. So if we didn't have the moon there, you could have all of these very weird phenomena happening, like fish jumping out of the ocean en masse, things like that. It would be very, very strange and bizarre. Ooh, no more sushi. No, definitely not. (laughs) Okay, Nathan, back to you. This is for both of you. What do you use to study the moon? We use mostly telescopes, but actually most of our data comes from all of the Apollo missions that went to the moon in the 60s and 70s. We collected so many lunar samples, all these rocks, and we still study them to this day. But we still use telescopes, we still land rovers there, and we have lots of satellites around the moon that are studying it all the time. Yeah, we do have these rocks that we studied with different tools. The one that we use at the University of Michigan is the Parsifal Regolith Extractor that helps us to separate out the individual materials in these moon samples for individual study so that we can look at each individual element that is involved in those little pieces of lunar regolith. All right, Grant, do you think humans could live on the moon? Unfortunately, no, I don't think that humans could live on the moon. The moon has an incredibly thin atmosphere. You wouldn't even really be able to call it an atmosphere. We call it an exosphere, which means that gas can easily escape the moon's gravity. It doesn't stay in its orbit at all. In fact, because there's no atmosphere, really, there's no wind. So the footprints of the original astronauts remain there to this day and will remain there indefinitely since there's nothing to really change the surface of the moon. There's no wind. There's no weather. In fact, actually, a Apollo 17 astronaut Eugene Cernan made sure to spell out his initials EC in the dust before he left. It was the final mission, and he wanted to make sure that there was a little bit of a memory there. That's all really to say that because there isn't an atmosphere, things that we really need to survive, like oxygen, soil, aren't in large supply. Not to mention, of course, the extreme temperature shifts going from extreme heats to extreme colds. It would not be a very nice place to live. Yeah, I think I'd rather just stay here. Very good. Those were excellent questions. Hi, it's me, Jess. Support for The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter. Full disclosure, I have a cat, and his name is Arlo, and I'm obsessed with him. And when Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he needs a trip to the vet. Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one reason why I use Pretty Litter. And I kid you not, before we got this sponsor, I was already using Pretty Litter for two years. And it's great! Its ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, its super light base minimizes mess and dust, and Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. But here's how Pretty Litter helps me with my cat's health. It changes color to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. I swear, you and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as me and Arlo do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. 
That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Big Fib! Okay, it's time for the Shorts on Fire round when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then Nathan will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds. Then Lisa resets the timer for the next expert to do the same. Experts, don't let the ticking clock phase you. Nathan, let's start with Shannon. You can ask your shorts on fire questions now. How long ago was the moon formed? About four and a half billion years ago is the same time as the Earth was formed. It was on a Wednesday. (laughs) What do we call the type of moon when the moon is full and is as close as it can get to Earth? We call that a supermoon. What is the source of moonlight? Our sun reflected off the surface. Fact or fib? We never see both sides of the moon. That is a fact. How long does it take for the moon to orbit the Earth? It's an average of 28 days. During which phases of the moon do we see only a sliver of the moon? Waxing or waning crescent. Which animal jumped over the moon in the nursery rhyme, Hey Diddle Diddle? That's a cow. Where on the moon did Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin land during the Apollo 11 mission? The Sea of Tranquility. How many blue moons will occur in the year 2022? There won't be any, actually. The next one's going to be on my birthday in 2023. Who sang the song Moon River in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's? Oh, I know that. I'm in a pass because I can't think of his name right now. And time. Time, 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 time. Very good. Okay, Lisa, can you please reset the timer for Grant? <laughs> yeah, you bet I can. I don't remember how. Oh, I just remembered. You remember? So, no, oh, I remember. Oh, Johnny. God, I... And I did. Thank you so much. Okay, Nathan, you can ask Grant your shorts on fire questions now. What do you call the second full moon in a calendar month? A blue moon. How long does it take to travel to the moon? Currently about three days. Name an element in the moon's core. Cobalt. Parmesan. (laughs) Name one thing that causes moonquakes. Mostly thermal expansion. In some rare instances, something like animal flinches. What were the microscopic creatures that spilled onto the moon when the spacecraft Beresheet crash landed in 2019? Tardigrades. They were George Lucas's inspiration for the Exogorth in The Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Who was the great goddess of the moon? Selena. It was this lady, Heather. (laughs) No. Fact or fib, the moon is a planet. Fib, it is a natural satellite. Who wrote the children's book, Good Night Moon? Pass on that one. (laughs) What is the point in the moon's orbit where it is closest to Earth? Perigee. How powerful is the moon's gravity compared to the Earth's? About a sixth as powerful. And that is time. That's all the time. (laughs) Very good. It's decision time. Nathan, it's time for you to shoot for the moon and guess which one of our experts is no expert at all. Nathan, who is our big fibber? I think it's Grant. Why do you think Grant is our fibber? Some of the answers seemed a little bit fishy, and I feel like Shannon did a better job answering the questions. All right, let's find out. Will the actual moon expert please say, I am the moon expert? I am the moon expert. Correct. You got it right. Shannon Sterone is a science journalist who writes a lot about planets and moons. Okay, time to do some fact checking. Shannon, help us dismantle all the lies Grant told us today. 
Grant actually told a lot of truths. I was very impressed by the fibbing game, but there were definitely a few that I remember. It's a little fishy. Okay, well then let's ask Grant. Okay, Grant, it's time to give us all the lies you told. So first off, there's no such thing as an impulsologist. I don't know if there is an official term for studying craters, but it is not that. Wow. The Krasnov Basin, that tiny crater, doesn't exist. I just made that up. <sighs> uh, this is more a theory thing, but it's something that I just sort of riffed on, so it might be kind of true, but mostly false. The tidal force informing the fish migration patterns, that was just sort of pulled out of the air. Super fishy. Yeah, literally fishy. (laughs) There's also no such thing as the Parsifal regolith extractor. That does not exist. That sounded so good. There's no tool like that that separates out the different materials of the moon. Oh, man. There is actually, but it's not called that. Okay. Oh, yes. Cobalt is not in the moon's core. That is a lie. They did not spell out the initials on the moon. That didn't happen. And I don't know if tardigrades were the inspiration for George Lucas for The Empire Strikes Back. Made that up. Artemal flinches is not a thing either. (laughs) (laughs) So impressive. Wow. So many lies. Gravity is not slightly heavier in the Aitken Basin either. Oh, man. No, but time does slow down as you get closer to gravity's core, so. Whoa. Time slows down? This is so super sci-fi. I love it. But tardigrades did actually spill out onto the moon, these microscopic things. And if you look them up, they look really funky. I would recommend it. And let's see, you said the Greek goddess was Selena. I think it's Selene. Yeah, I might have mispronounced that also. Very possible. And also, the author of Goodnight Moon, Margaret Wise Brown, very interesting person if you look her up. Also, the person who sang Moon River in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. Audrey Hepburn, and the song actually won Best Original Song for the Oscars that year. Fun fact. Okay, well, it is time to stop waxing on about the moon. Thanks to our contestant, Nathan, who helped us get to the core of truth. Thank you to our expert and liar, Shannon and Grant. And thanks to Lisa, our occasionally moonatone sound effects robot. And of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning into the Big Fib, where we disparage lies and fact is greater than fiction. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media. For more great shows, visit gzmshows.com. While you're there, you can find out how you can become a contestant on The Big Fib or send questions for me to answer on the show. Plus, follow us on social media at The Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. And if any of you are tardigrades up on the moon, hey! Hi, I'm Amy. I'm Odid. I'm Ethan. I'm Awa. And And we're we're a GZM family. Join us and listen to Fourth and Inches. Here Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Three years ago, Brinley Pasternak helped the Anders family uncover the truth about Holiday's past. Now, she'll need them to help her find the truth about hers. Six Minutes Out of Time is the long-awaited sequel to the most downloaded family audio adventure in history. When Cyrus is found unconscious near the mysterious Elixir Academy in Florida, Brinley learns the school may have a shocking connection to her missing mother. All new episodes are available one week early and ad-free for GZM subscribers. Visit gzmshows.com to learn more.